So, it's good to be with you again. You know, every week I have to sort of, and you do too, take by faith that God is with us, because you can't see him. This morning we have to take by faith that you're with us, uh, because we can't see you. Um, But you can't see us in person either. But through faith, uh, we can do this together. And so Susan's just led us in an opportunity to pray for our country, for this world. Let me pray for us as we open God's word, uh, that he might speak to us wherever we may be. And the promise of the Lord is although we are distant in body, uh, he's present with us in spirit. So would you join me as I pray for our time in God's word? Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers God, thank you that in various homes, uh, retirement communities, uh, Lord, places around this city, and Lord, there are people watching perhaps even around the world. Uh, God, the prayers that are offered are one uh, because we are one body through one spirit. God, you have given us all one spirit from which to partake. Lord, I praise you that your spirit is with us. God, I thank you for the various people through the spirit exercising their gifts this morning. Lord, people won't see this, uh, but God, I pray for uh, Mark and for Benjamin uh, who, and others who are working in the tech, technical areas and have worked so hard uh, this week, uh, Lord, to make all of that happen. Uh, Lord, people won't know that uh, Jackie Rice and others have worked so hard on the communications for what Kristen White has done on that uh, to prepare the notes that we can be able to have for Marlene Timmer and the work that she did so that we can have slides, uh, Lord, that we can participate together. Uh, Lord, for right now, what's going on in homes for people who are using their gifts of hospitality and opening their homes and welcoming people in. For others who have used this morning gifts of encouragement, not just here singing and leading us in worship, but also uh, in places around the city. Uh, Lord, you say that we are one body uh, made up of many parts. And some of the parts, uh, like the stuff I get to do, people see. But Lord, what's going on behind the scenes, what people aren't seeing publicly, you see. And God, I praise you for that. Lord, you say that one part of the body, when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. And so, Lord, right now we do think of those in our community. I think of Sue Schroeder, who, uh, whose mother went home to be with you. Uh, Lord, comfort her at this time. Lord, for others who have lost loved ones. Uh, Lord, I'm thinking uh, specifically of the woman who shared that she had had a miscarriage recently. Lord, I pray that you would bless her and comfort her, that you would give her peace in the midst of this. Lord, in the craziness that's going on, to suffer that pain as well. Lord, there are many who are suffering from fear and anxiety. Lord, there are those who are suffering from loneliness. God, there are some who are suffering from sickness. And Lord, I know for me, every cough, uh, every swallow, sometimes you think, "Uh uh-oh, is this it? Lord, I pray that you would be with them and near them in the midst of this. Uh, Lord, some are suffering as they have watched finances dry up. Some are suffering as they've had to leave school, pack up their things and go home. Some are suffering because they're trapped in other parts of the world or perhaps even here in Grand Rapids and can't get where they need to be or where they want to be. Lord, even though we are apart, we are all suffering together. Yet you also tell us, Lord, that when one part is honored, we all rejoice. And so, Lord, we rejoice at the work that you're doing. We rejoice that you are present here amongst us wherever we are gathered. God, we rejoice that you are greater than all things. 
and that you are with us. As we open your word now, Father, would you send your spirit that we might understand better what it is you have done for us through Jesus and what it is you are doing for us now as we meet together to study your word. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Proverbs 17 says, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. In many ways, it feels like the whole world is going through a test right now. That this coronavirus, this COVID-19, this is a test that is, uh, we're all experiencing really at the same time. It's different, however, than a test like you might take in school. Tests that you take in school, uh, you know, sometimes you pass, sometimes you fail. But tests, when God allows them, they work differently. They work differently because God has promised that for those who are believers in Jesus, he will not allow us to be tested or to go through trials beyond what we can bear. But when we are tested, he will show himself to be faithful and provide us with all we need to be able to stand up and endure the test. Tests that God allows are tests that we are designed to succeed in. And this is no different. This year, we're going through a sermon series in the book of Titus. And we've reached this part in Titus 2 where we're thinking about the quiet characteristics and the quiet traits that are so important in God's kingdom and so important in our lives. Where we are right now is Titus chapter two, verse two. You don't need to turn there. We're going to be simply looking at a little phrase and the phrase is worthy of respect. Worthy of respect and worthy of honor. You see, one of the difficult things with the situation in which we find ourselves as a country and really as a whole world is in the midst of this test, in the midst of this trial that we're all experiencing, many of the things that we're so used to being in place, the social structures, schools, community organizations, even church, family, gatherings, meetings, the things we're so used to having, many of those have been stripped away. And governments and health organizations are doing their best, but in many cases, they don't know what to tell us to do. And so we're navigating this, it's really uncharted territory. And as you go through these uncharted territories, the difficulty is the things that used to be in place that kind of helped us make decisions, well, it's Sunday, we should go to church. Well, this Sunday, you have to decide, are we going to gather with other people? Should we do this by ourselves? How are we going to do this? I don't know about you, but this week, somewhere around Wednesday or Thursday, I'm like, wow, I'm super exhausted. And I tried to think to myself, why am I so tired this week? I think one of the reasons is, is a lot of the things that were simply decided for us, we're now having to decide for ourselves. Every decision is somehow ramped up. Should I go shopping? How much stuff should I buy? Should I try to stock up or should I save some for other people? Should I go to this Bible study? Should I not go to that Bible study? Should I go into work? Should I work from home? Stuff that we simply did before, we now have to think through and pray through in new ways and making decisions is exhausting. And so in the midst of this where so many structures are being taken away, 
The question is, how do you and I make decisions in the midst of the environment in which we live, decisions that will be worthy of respect? Now, in many ways, I said this is a test. To be more accurate, using the school metaphor, it's actually like a pop quiz. None of us were expecting this. And when you walk into class and there's a pop quiz that you weren't expecting, one of the first things that happens is you look at the paper and you look at all the questions and think, do I know the answers to these questions? Am I prepared for this? And you can look around and say, I don't know that I was prepared for this virus. I wasn't prepared for these rules about quarantine. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. And immediately when there is a pop quiz or a test you're not expecting, the first reaction is, I'm not ready. Well, this morning, what I'd like to do is instead of focusing on how we might feel unprepared, I'd like to focus on how God, as our perfect heavenly teacher, has already been at work preparing us and has already made provisions to help us succeed and to pass this test. In just a minute, I'm gonna share seven things from God's word of ways in which God has provided for us to help us in this situation. We may not have known it was coming, but God did. And God has been hard at work to prepare us so that we are able to make decisions during this time and act in ways that are worthy of respect and honor. Now, before I share my seven with you, I'm going to ask that wherever you are, whether uh, the few people gathered here in the sanctuary, or if you're with other people at home, or even if you're by yourself, to take just a few minutes and talk through, before I share mine, what are some provisions that you've been able to see as to how God has made it possible for us to make it through the situation that we're in and to make decisions that are worthy of respect. Now, you're not trying to guess my seven. I'm going to share my seven with you. But there are hundreds and hundreds of ways that God has been faithful and God has provided. And I'd like for you at home, if you're by yourself, uh, just simply maybe write it down on a piece of paper. If you're with other people, just simply turn and share. We've got roughly, well, exactly four minutes Then I'm gonna let you do that. And then I'm gonna come back up here and I'm gonna share the seven the Lord laid on my heart. So let's go ahead and do that. All right, if I can kind of gather you back uh, to where we are. I'm sorry if I'm breaking up any important and good conversations. Hopefully you'll be able to continue those after we're done. Uh, like I said, I have seven that the Lord laid on my heart. These are not better or worse than yours. They're just the seven that as I thought and prayed this week about provisions God has already given us that will help us make decisions worthy of respect during this time. Maybe they'll even spur some discussion and thinking and afterwards you're able to continue these conversations. But let me share with you the seven that the Lord laid on my heart this week. Number one, God has given us his Holy Spirit. Haggai chapter two says this, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. 
this is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. We talked about God's Holy Spirit a couple of weeks ago when we talked and kind of went through the series of important doctrines that we need to believe and understand. And what we said about the Holy Spirit is, this is God's presence in us. The fullness of who God is, all his wisdom, all his power, all his grace, resident, dwelling within us. This is why Jesus says to his disciples, I know you want me to stay here, but it would be far better for me to leave, to ascend to heaven, so that the Spirit can come and be with you. Because as wonderful as it was to have God himself present with us in the person of Jesus, it's even better to have God himself dwelling in us by his Spirit. And of course, it is possible to quench God's spirit or to ignore God's spirit in us and to simply make decisions using our own cravings, our own desires, our own sinful flesh. We talked about that last week. But please understand, God knew that this was coming. And while things in society are being stripped away, sometimes interactions with family members, schools, workplace, governments not sure what to do, health organizations not sure what to do, you and I who are believers in Jesus, we have God's spirit living in us. Which means there will never be any decision you face this week or ever that you are unprepared to make. God's spirit lives in you and you have all of the power and the wisdom and the grace of God for whatever is waiting for you today, tomorrow, or the rest of your life. So number one, God has given us his Holy Spirit. Number two, God provides his word to guide us. God provides his word to guide us. Psalm 119 says this, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path, or a light for my path. Now, sometimes we underestimate just how fantastic God's word is when it comes to making decisions. And the reason we underestimate it is because God's word is a big thing. There's lots and lots of books in the Bible, and there's lots and lots of instructions in the Bible. And sometimes, to be honest, it can feel overwhelming. There are so many things. It's like having a textbook in a class and you think, am I responsible for knowing everything that's written in this book? Here's the good news. The good news is, is that whatever portion of God's word that he brings to you, if you try to obey that portion, you will make decisions worthy of respect. What I mean is, suppose you're following along with us in the book of Titus. We're in Titus 2 and you keep reading and you get to Titus 3. And you read in Titus 3 verse 1 that God says, submit to governing authorities. And you read that verse and God brings it to you, perhaps through your reading, maybe a friend mentions it to you, maybe you happen to read it in a daily devotional. However you get that one verse, Titus 3 verse 1, when you read it, if you try to obey it and you say, you know what? I'm not going to get together with my small group this week 
because the governing authorities have asked us to meet together as little as possible. And so I'm trying to obey this passage and submit to governing authorities. If you use that to make your decision, you're going to be making decisions worthy of respect. Now you may know or you may not know there are other passages in the Bible that say there are certain times for disobeying governing authorities so that we can obey God. But if those aren't the passages that God has brought to you or you don't even know that those exist, that's okay. If God has brought to you this week, submit to governing authorities and you're trying your best to obey the word that God has given to you, you're gonna make decisions worthy of respect. So the Bible is not simply like a school textbook in which you are required to know everything in it. The Bible is the living voice of God. And he doesn't speak all 66 books to us at the same time. And if he gives you a verse or a passage, maybe something even in the seven I'm going to share or something you discussed amongst yourselves, if you hear God speaking to you through one of those verses and you try to obey it, you'll be making decisions worthy of respect. Number three, God has promised to protect and bless us. God has promised to protect and bless us. You're like, well, how does that help us make decisions? You know, when I studied it and wrote it down, I wasn't sure at the moment either. But as I have thought about it, I think what it is, is the more we have the proper mindset on what it is God's doing in our lives, the more we're able to make decisions worthy of respect. So listen to this passage in 2 Peter 2. It's a longer passage, but let me walk us through it. If God did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, and now here's the phrase I really want you to focus on. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and at the same time to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. Now what this passage is doing is using the example of Noah and the worldwide flood and the example of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah and the destruction that happened to the whole city to make a point. And his point is this, this trial that we are going through, this, you could almost call it a plague, this virus that the whole world is experiencing is at the same time being used by God to do two different things. One of the things it's doing is it's bringing judgment on the wicked. It's reminding the wicked that there is a God and that they need a savior. It's reminding those who have rejected Jesus that Jesus is the only hope for this world. But at the same time, it is also meant to bless 
the righteous. Now, before we go too far, let me say very clearly, that doesn't mean that if you are righteous, you won't get sick. It doesn't mean that if you are righteous, you won't suffer. Far from it. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is for those who have placed their faith in Jesus, God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to bless you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future and that only God can do this, but somehow one event like a flood or like the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah or like a coronavirus can be used by God to accomplish two different things at the same time. And for those who are far from Jesus, it is meant to be a warning and an invitation to come and accept salvation through Jesus. For those who are already believers, it is a means by which God wants to bless us. And perhaps God is giving us a Sabbath rest during this time. Perhaps God is allowing you to be blessed by having your college children home with you so that you can spend time together as a family. Perhaps God has removed some obstacles so you're able to work from home to try some new things. What we've discovered at church is there's a whole bunch of things we wanted to do as a church that we hadn't really gotten going on. But because of the situation in which we find ourselves, the Lord has given us the impetus to move forward on this. And the encouragement is, is that even in the midst of suffering, the promise of God is every action that he does, every action, this virus included, for those who know Jesus, is designed ultimately to be a blessing for us. Number four. God is always full of mercy and compassion. The fullest name God gives us for himself in the Bible is found in Exodus 34. There God introduces himself, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes their children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. God is compassionate and gracious, always full of mercy and compassion. We tend to think that life is resting on a knife's edge. That every decision we make is either going to tip us one way or the other. That if we make a decision to have uh, contact with somebody, we could potentially give them a life-threatening disease. If we make a decision uh, to leave money in the market or to sell something, we can set our financial future one way or the other. We can make a decision that if we don't do homeschooling just right today, our kids' education is going to be destroyed. But that's not how it works. Our lives are not balanced on a knife's edge. They're sitting on the flat, wide plane of God's mercy and compassion. A few years ago, uh, our family was given a gift by the church uh, to be able to go on vacation together as a family. Well, I looked at the money that we were given, which was very generous, and I looked at the six people in our family and I made the unwise decision 
that more money would equal a better vacation. And so I thought to myself, I'll invest this money and I'll give God the opportunity to let it grow and then we'll have not only what we were given, but even more. What a great blessing that will be. And so I invested that money without Lisa or anybody else knowing I'd done that. And I just simply prayed and trusted and said, Lord, look at my faith. Here's your chance to take this five loaves and two fish and make it even bigger. That's not what happened. Uh, It just got smaller and smaller. It was at a time when everybody else's stuff seemed to be getting bigger And it seemed like you had to be working hard in order to lose money in investments. But somehow I was doing that. I prayed and prayed and initially I thought, Lord, this is just a test of faith, isn't it? Turns out, no, it wasn't a test of faith. The Lord at some point was like, you've made an idol out of this. You fell into the false trap of thinking more money equals a better vacation. That's simply not true. Well, maybe you know how this is. At that moment, I sort of felt cut to the heart. And then I realized, oh no. I've not only not grown what we had, I've lost a big portion of what we were already given. We're not gonna be able to have any vacation at all. In mercy and grace, I begged God, please don't let my family suffer for my mistake. And in God's mercy and grace, he met me in that confession He opened up miraculous ways for us to be able to end up having a vacation. And the crazy thing was, we had a better vacation than I was expecting. And at the end, it cost basically exactly what we had left after my sin. This is God's kindness and his compassion and his mercy. Please, please don't believe the lie that everything is balancing on a knife's edge that one decision is going to change everything. That if somehow you go somewhere or have physical contact with somebody, that somehow your life is resting on that decision. Please don't believe that. Instead, understand that our lives are resting securely on the broad, flat plane of God's mercy and compassion. Number five, God has shown us the most excellent way, which is love. When you're trying to make decisions, it can be very confusing. Should I do this? Should I do that? How do I know what to do? Please remember, God has shown us the most excellent way, which is love. Meaning, any decisions made out of love for God and love for others will be decisions that are worthy of respect. Mason Sherrill, one of the members of our pastoral staff, sent me a quote this week from Martin Luther, who also had to deal with being a Christian, trying to do good things to other people in the midst of a plague. And in the 1500s, this is what Martin Luther wrote. He says, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. And then I like this next line. Then I shall fumigate help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict 
and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me. And I have done what he has expected of me. And then I love this line. And so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. He's saying, again, you're amazing, 500 years ago, how relevant this is. He's saying, look, I'm going to take the necessary precautions. Nobody's trying to spread disease. Uh, nobody wants to do that. But having taken the necessary precautions, listen to this last line. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. What he's reminding us, if you are making a decision out of love, if you are making a decision to love your neighbor, if you are making a decision to love a family member, if you are making a decision to love God, God has already shown us those decisions are worthy of respect. This week I made the decision to hold my uh, evangelistic Bible study that I do. Uh, and we had it in our house uh, and it was a small group. It uh, wasn't uh, lots and lots of people, but it was a small group of us gathered together. When I told you earlier that decisions are stressful, I prayed every day, Lord, are we really supposed to do this? Are we really supposed to do it? It was a very stressful decision. In the end, I decided to do it because in my situation, it felt like the most loving thing to do. It felt like there was a group of people, they were free not to come. We did all the stuff, fumigating, all that kinds of stuff to get ready. But in the end, it felt like a loving, kind thing to do to say, you know what, this small group, we need to get together and we need to be able to talk about what God has to say about these things. And the encouragement is, during this time, if you are making decisions on the basis of love, you're going to make decisions that are worthy of respect. Number six, the sixth thing I'd like you to keep in mind as you think through how God has provided for us to make decisions worthy of respect at this time, God promises to help us in confusing decisions. Romans chapter 14, verse four. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. Now this passage comes in the context of a chapter in which Paul is talking about disputable matters. And one of, this things, uh, one of the things that this virus has done for us in this world, it has thrown everything into confusion. And lots of things in which we knew, we thought we knew what decisions to make, suddenly there's lots of confusing decisions. Should I go to this Bible study? Should I not go to this Bible study? A husband might decide to go. A wife might decide not to. Should I stock up on food or should I leave more for other people? Should I spend my time trying to homeschool my children or should we spend time just simply enjoying Sabbath rest? Should I go visit this loved one in their uh, retirement home or should I not visit the loved one in their retirement home? Should I be looking at what's going on financially in the world? Should I not? Should I go into work? Should I not? Should I try to work from home? Should I ask somebody to come to a meeting? Should I not? Should we invite somebody over to our home or would that be a bad thing to do? It's full of decisions that are disputable. And God says in Romans 14, one person's gonna make one decision and another person's going to make another decision. And the encouragement from that verse is, look, 
Don't judge other people on the decisions they're making. They're making them between themselves and the Lord. Likewise, don't worry what other people think of your decisions because they're not your judge. But here's the really encouraging line. And can I ask, can we put that verse back up for a second? Do you see this last sentence? And they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. Do you hear the promise of God in there? God's promise is, look, life is full of confusing decisions, especially now. Life is full of disputable matters and one person makes a decision one way and another person makes a decision another way. But the promise of God is that he will help us in the midst of these confusing decisions. He's our master, we're his servant. He's able to make us stand. Even this week on Monday when we got together, I thought we ought to press harder to try to have more people be able to join us here this uh, Sunday morning to figure out a way which we could have, okay, back then it was 250 people. How could we get, maybe we did two services. I even volunteered to do three or four services. It seemed important to me to be able to gather people together. Uh, the rest of our leadership team at the church thought, no, we ought to spend more time focusing on how do we minister to people where they're at. How do we prepare this service uh, for people being able to watch at home as much as possible? Well, disputable matter, we had two different opinions. In God's kindness, I started pushing us towards, let's try to get Sunday morning to work. God in his mercy and grace through the governor's new order this week and through some other things said, let's not go down that path. Let's go down this path, which is the path that we've chosen, which is to try to do as much as we can to make the experience for those of you at home uh, this Sunday morning, experiencing it the best as possible. And just what can we do during the week? Phone calls, uh, interpersonal sort of touches, uh, emails, videos, those kinds of things to be a blessing. The good news is, is that what's happened this week didn't rest on my decision or the rest of the leadership team's decision or your decision. It rests on the fact that God is able to make a stand. And I don't mean that no one's ever gonna make wrong decisions. We make wrong decisions all the time. But the promise of Romans 14 is that as we're trying, God is able to show us the right way. And if we start down the wrong path, he knows how to gently and kindly nudge us down the right path. So be encouraged. God does know how to make us stand at a time like this. And then seventh and finally, and perhaps most important, God is carrying us through. Listen to this verse from Isaiah 63. I love this verse. In all their distress, he, meaning God, he too was distressed. Do you hear that? In all their distress, God too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. What I love about this verse is right now, most people in the world are experiencing distress. I find great comfort in knowing that our God too is distressed. 
He's not distressed because he doesn't know what's going to happen. And he's not distressed because somehow things have spiraled out of control. He's distressed because he feels our distress. But look what it says. The angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them. It reminds me of that old poem, Footprints. Some of you may be familiar with it. The basic idea of how this goes, and you probably are not able to read that. Uh, it's just a visual for you to be able to see. The basic idea of how this goes is a person is somehow, it's a parable, looking back on their life and they see all the things in their life as footprints, uh, footsteps in the sand. And they're examining them uh, sort of with Jesus and they see two sets of footprints through most of their lives. And the person comes to realize that through their life, God, the angel of his presence, Jesus has been walking with them step by step, each step of the way. But upon reflection, the person notices that there are seasons where there's only one set of footprints. And he examines more closely those seasons and find, comes to find out those were the times when he or she was going through something incredibly difficult. And the person turns to Jesus and says, where were you? At my hardest moments, where were you? There's only one set of footprints during those times. And Jesus' response to the person is my child. The reason there are only one set of footprints at those seasons, because those are the times that I carried you. Jesus says, anybody who wants to save their life is gonna lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. You're gonna hear in the news this week. You're gonna feel it in your own heart and soul. You're gonna see it in people around you. People fighting so hard to save their life. And Jesus just wants to remind us, I've already saved your life. And during times like these, when you're not sure what to do, when all the constraints have been taken away, Jesus says, there's gonna be some days I'm just gonna pick you up and carry you. I'm just gonna make decisions for you. I'm just gonna bring blessings in ways that you didn't know. I'm gonna cause your foolishness to turn out for good. And he's simply in his love and grace gonna pick us up and carry us safely through. In the end, how do you make decisions worthy of respect in the midst of this chaos? Sometimes it's just simply going to be our God carrying us each step of the way. So don't be surprised if at some point this week, the Lord just simply does it for you. He makes a decision. He brings you a verse. He gives you a word of encouragement. He takes what you have and blesses it. He does something to remind us that, look, in your distress, I too am distressed, God says. And in the midst of it, I've sent the angel of my presence to lift you up and to carry you safely through. Seven reasons that God has prepared us for what's coming. It's so easy to focus on, on our unpreparedness 
Well, if only we had known this virus was coming, we could have done this, we could have done that, we could have been better at homeschooling, we could have stocked up these things, we would have taken these decisions, we would have done this from a medical point of view, we would have made arrangements uh, for this person in their retirement community. It's so easy to focus on how we are unprepared for this. The encouragement from God is, he is prepared. And he has done so much to get us ready for what's coming what's here, what's happening, and what will happen in the future. Now, please, before I leave us, please understand, despite all that God has done, it is still possible that in the midst of this trial, we can choose selfishness, we can choose fear, we can choose doubt, and instead of this trial being an opportunity by which our faith shines through, by which we are refined, by which we are transformed, it still can be something in which we engage in selfishness, fear, doubt, cravings, struggles, and sin. But that is not God's intention. God's intention, as our perfect heavenly teacher, is he has provided us with everything we need to be successful in this, to make decisions in this new and confusing world that are worthy of respect. Not that every decision will be right, not that there won't be any suffering, not that there won't be any difficulty, but that like the psalmist said, someday we will look back as we've gone through the valley of the shadow of death and we will see that surely goodness and mercy were following us all the days of our lives and that the Lord provided ways for us to live worthy of honor and worthy of respect at these times. Let's pray together. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.